Uh, well, um, marking Vernon's homework is not an easy task. It feels to me a little bit like uh, using a rifle to uh, shoot at a display of fireworks. Um, I will just uh, start uh, by pointing out two things. One, it was neither about the, um, report of the civil reform of the civil service nor about the reform of the cabinet. The title of the report was actually Report of the Machinery of Government Committee. There was a third person who was involved in its uh, production who was called Sir Robert Morant, of whom I know nothing, but I, I feel rather sorry for him being the sandwich between uh, Lord Haldane and, uh, and Beatrice Webb. But I think, I, I will first of all, I, I'll, I'll get on to Vernon's ground mainly, and because he talked so much about the operation of the, of the cabinet and the way it should work, let's concentrate that on, our, in that on that in our discussion. There are lots of people here who can contribute to that and we'll have comments and I hope questions about that. But I ought to start, I think, by saying, um, I think if we're talking about the Haldane Committee, it covers much wider ground than simply the operation of the cabinet. Indeed, I mean, it covered um, uh, aspects of government which uh, continued to resonate and still resonate today. Um, if there were any scientists here and they thought that uh, we had discussed the Haldane Committee report without mentioning the Haldane principle about uh, scientific research, they would be absolutely astonished because that is what the scientific community remember the Haldane Committee for. And th that uh, principle was that um, the uh, choice of research, subjects of research, should not be done by politicians, but should be done by scientists. And indeed, that was the foundation of the great research councils, which determined their own blue skies research. And uh, curiously, I got involved in that when I was working for Rothschild in the uh, CPRS and the Cabinet Office. And Richard, were you there then? I can't remember. Anyway, um, yeah, um, Rothschild challenged the, this Haldane principle of scientific research and distinguished between blue skies research, which, which should be the business of the research councils, and research, applied research, which should be uh, commissioned by the people who are going to use it, what was called the customer contractor uh, principle. So, you know, if we were in a scientific group, that is what I think they would have expected us to uh, talk about. But um, the Haldane Committee also talked about a lot more, which uh, resonates uh, down the uh, ages. As uh, Vernon says, their principle of departments was that they should be by function, not by group that they served. And of course, as uh, Vernon said, um, this uh, has, uh, this has shifted uh, down the down time, and there is still talk about having a minister for a ministry for women or a minister of children. We have uh, um, department for children, department for women. We do have ministers for children, uh, ministers for women. I don't know whether we've got a minister for children at the moment, but we've had that from time to time. But Haldane's principle was the organisation of departments ought to be by function, and on the whole, I think that has uh, survived. He also uh, said that, and 
my goodness, this is something that some of us have been advocating, that government decisions should only be taken on the basis of informed research. And um, th th he set up a machinery uh, to do that. And he said each department ought to commission the research it needed in order to make informed decisions about the functions that it was performing. But there should also be central uh, a central department for scientific research, uh, which, as it were, um, did non-departmental work. And in various forms, that's happened down the years. I think you could say there was the, the DSIR, Department of Social Industrial Research, uh, which I think Helsham was the uh, minister for one time before the Northeast. I think you could say the Central Statistical Office was such a, uh, was such a department when it was a a ministerial department. So those have also uh, come and gone, but um, there was never a single uh, ministry for um, research in the way that Haldane, um, that Haldane envisaged it. He endorsed the role of the cabinet secretary, I'm glad to say, uh, and also um, the cabinet office. Though immediately after the Haldane report, uh, the Treasury challenged the existence of the uh, Cabinet Office and tried to get the Cabinet Secretariat back within its own moor. And that was uh, resisted, and the Cabinet Office managed to retain its independence uh, after that. But it was threatened by that. Now, Haldane didn't comment on whether the, sh the Cabinet Office should be part of the Treasury. He just said there should be a cabinet office and a cabinet secretary. Perhaps um, most, uh, most, most advanced of all, the longest section of the early part of the report is the role of women in the civil service and that uh, the um, women should not be debarred, as they had been up to that point, from certain roles within the civil service simply on the grounds of their gender. And uh, so that opened up, and also uh, they should be paid equally with men. They were still discriminated for a long time. It wasn't until the 1970s that you didn't have to resign if you got married. But um, Haldane was the groundbreaker, I think, on the role of women in the uh, civil service. He also was very hot on the role of parliament and the control of parliament, and he advocated 60 years before they came into being, select committees for departments to um, uh, follow what departments were doing and to uh, invigilate them. He was anti-non-ministerial departments because he felt that the chain of policy activity through ministers accountable to parliament was essential to good government. But he was in favor of advisory bodies, not executive bodies, but advisory bodies uh, who could uh, help uh, departments. And uh, so uh, it was an extraordinarily wide-ranging report. Um, the first part of it, where all these principles were covered, was only 13 pages long, as uh, Vernon said. I mean, compared with the sort of reports you get these days, um, that was absolutely extraordinary. And it has been hugely influential um, down the years, and it has been uh, misquoted. 
I remember, you know, when uh, quoting when I was head of the civil service, the Haldane principle of um, civil servants and ministers working together as a team, uh, ministers, civil servants supporting ministers, and so on. When I came to read the Haldane report, I found that it doesn't say anything about that at all. Um, similarly, the scientists have slightly misquoted um, the uh, Haldane principle. And also, on the issue of um, ministerial accountability, um, Haldane envisaged that it would be civil servants who would be questioned by departmental select committees. Uh, the civil service rather cunningly adapted that down the years until it eventually reached the um, Armstrong principle, or as motherly principle, that it's ministers who are accountable to uh, select committees, and when, when civil servants appear before select committees, they're only appearing on behalf of their ministers, except in the case of the Public Accounts Committee and uh, accounting officers. So the civil service rather turned what Haldane had recommended into something that slightly protected their own, uh, their own position. But anyway, having said all that, uh, it, you know, that is, it had a very wide coverage, the Haldane Committee, and a lot of, um, and a lot of influence. Now, um, let's just talk about uh, the role of departments and address some of the things which um, Vernon said. Oh, actually, before I do that, I will just... I will just actually think, I think it's worth reading out to you what it was that Haldane said was the role of the cabinet. And this really uh, illustrates what Vernon said. He said, the main functions of the cabinet may, we think, be described as, A, the final determination of the policy to be submitted to Parliament. He ha th this um, has running through it a much greater uh, sense of the role of Parliament than uh, exists today, um, and it just shows how a Parliament's been attenuated. B, the supreme control of the national executive in accordance with the policy prescribed by Parliament. Now, tell Theresa May that in relation to uh, Brexit. C, the continuous coordination and delimitation of the activities of the several departments of state. Now, as Vernon said, this is clearly a model where the actual secretaries of state uh, who are in charge of departments aren't there. This is the board of directors who are, as it were, marking uh, their work and giving them direction. So this is the small cabinet at which cabinet uh, ministers aren't present. Uh, uh, but then he described how that model ought to work. Says, for the due performance of these functions, the following conditions seem to be essential, or at least desirable. The cabinet should be small in number, preferably 10 or at most 12, as Vernon said. Two, it should meet frequently. Three, it should be supplied in the most convenient form with all the information and material necessary to enable it to arrive at expeditious decisions. Four, it should make a point, <laughs> make a point of consulting personally all the ministers whose work is likely to be affected by the decisions. In other words, um, you can't attend our meetings, but uh, we will ask you beforehand, if you're the Secretary of State for this or that, uh, how you feel about it. And it should have a systematic method of securing that its decisions are effectually carried out by the several departments concerned, i.e. the Cabinet Secretariat and the, uh, and, and, and the Cabinet uh, Minutes. Um, and as um, Richard said, 
for the obvious reason that, that when the people who are in charge of policies are not involved in the final decision about them, it doesn't work. And um, so uh, you couldn't have a small cabinet like that. Again, as Vernon said, Ted Heath tried it in 1970 to have a cabinet that were, where there were super ministries, a, a smaller number, but it didn't work. And uh, now uh, the cabinet is probably bigger than it should be, but it's uh, 23 or so. Uh, and um, it's very difficult. Successive minister, prime ministers have found it very difficult to get it down. Attlee tried, Attlee tried to get it down to 16, but, uh, but it didn't work. So I think where we have reached now is a cabinet where the secretaries of state in charge of departments uh, are present and indeed they are the main actors in the thing. And then there is the question then of the central machinery. And uh, this again, uh, we've struggled with uh, down, uh, down the ages. And prime ministers have wanted to um, be reinforced. And th this is, it causes complications for the role of the cabinet office. And various of the bodies that have been set up to support prime ministers have been set up in the, in, in the cabinet office, uh, and uh, rather than uh, in number 10. And I had various run-ins uh, with this. Um, I, was, I was definitely of the school that believed that the cabinet secretariat, part of the cabinet office, couldn't do its work if it, was no, if it was anything other than neutral. It had to be a pro processor, otherwise it didn't carry the command of uh, the, the confidence of departments. But the cabinet secretariat isn't the whole of the cabinet office. And um, one of the organizations, let's just take this as an illustration that was set up because Vernon referred to it, was Rothschild's think tank, the Central Policy uh, Review Staff, which uh, both Richard and I um, we're in. And um, this was in the cabinet office, it was not part of the cabinet secretariat, and its role was indeed to challenge the departments and to uh, challenge them in uh, three ways. First of all, to brief uh, ministers other than the departmental minister who was bringing forward a policy so that the cabinet could have a collective uh, discussion to try to hold the government to its central strategy, um, which uh, instead of it becoming fragmented, and then to also take a view of what were called the wicked issues, the Concord and, uh, and Maplin and uh, all that sort of thing. Now, um, that ran into a problem because the problem with having a body that is not in number 10 that is in the cabinet office, that is advising um, ministers, um, if it puts, if it, gives, it has controversial ideas which are opposed by some departments in the government, sure enough, they're going to get, find their way into the newspapers. And um, this became a real problem for Margaret Thatcher, so she abolished the separate CPRS in the cabinet office, which was serving the cabinet as a whole, and merged it with the policy unit inside number 10, which she then had under her control, and she could, and they produced ideas for her. 
something similar is obviously still happening in uh, number 10 now. But that idea of reinforcing the Prime Minister and giving her ideas, if it's certainly on controversial subjects, I think now works better inside number 10 than in the uh, Cabinet Office. Cabinet Office, of course, also has various other bodies other than the Secretariat, um, which uh, there, I mean, Machinery of Government Division, for example, advising on the Machinery of Government. Uh, okay, and I'm going to stop there. I'll just say one final thing, because um, sorry to dart about all over the place. But as Vernon says, there is no absolute structure of departments, and you want to change them from, for various reasons at various times. And Prime Minister's got into the habit of doing that with every reshuffle. And there are sometimes good reasons for doing it, uh, but very often there's bad reasons, as Vernon said, to give a job to a minister who hasn't got one or to because one minister's stronger and he wants a function and the prime minister agrees to oblige by transferring that function. I always try to <laughs> obstruct these and oppose them <laughs> because they are uh, disruptive, they are expensive, and they don't usually... Um, perform the role that uh, is expected of them. And I think, rather like we have managed to now get to the point where there are fewer reshuffles, I think we've managed also to get to the point where there are fewer redistribution of the responsibilities of, uh, of departments. And uh, um, getting to those points is extremely good, in my view. I'll stop there.